Good morning. 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 How are you? Doing good. So we're talking about burnout and like what are the circumstances that can happen that cause you to never want to come back in the industry, no matter how long of a vacation you get. And so I just had two weeks of vacation and I still absolutely love the industry. Can't wait to like go back to work actually, but was really, really glad to have the time to spend with family and like think about things that are important to me, things that I wanted to accomplish that I could only like have the time that I like set the time aside. Like for example, starting about another workout routine, getting used to it, like um, spending time with my family, um, working on some side projects that I feel like I put off for way too long and it was like getting eating at me for a little too, too much. Now I can prioritize it and I, I made some great progress and I'm really proud of it. But I think what, what keeps me coming back is the idea that I don't know everything and I want to keep learning more. And I feel like that will always be the case. And I love the journey. I've been in the industry for about 15 years now. And I had some major breakthroughs along the way that I'm still like so amazed to, to be a part of. Like I like I I won't talk about it, but some ideas that like changed. It's amazing how how like how much power we have to like change the way we think about things and solve problems in different ways that require a bunch of like uh like it, it makes it way more simple to to handle these problems. So that, that for me is so exciting. I love it. Let's hear other people's thoughts. The way I think about burnout and wanting to come back is kind of, it was a couple of things, but one of them is have a, have a ton of very tiny fires as opposed to fewer, larger fires, right? So no, and I don't care. What I've been trying to do lately is like get better about like, not necessarily pushing through, but just saying like, yeah, I'm angry. This is crap. I have to take a break right now. And like, I'm going to reset. I'm going to come back. Right. But like acknowledge it, go through it. Um, you know, throw my internal tantrum and then resolve it. The second piece is what else would I do? Right. And I think to your point, Ralph, like, <laughs> like, but you know, my when my when my grandfather retired, uh, basically the entire family uh, had to deal with that because he uh, he didn't like it. <laughs> he, he needed stuff to do, like he needed stuff to keep him busy, and I don't think he liked it at the at the outset either. And I, like I always kind of remember that, and I think um, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting problems, and there's ways to stay engaged, and that's like. What else do you want in life, really? Like than that, like that's yeah. um, so that's no. where it is. Like you can you can have to take a reset, take a reset. But I wonder, like, like so when you're framing your like your work and your career, are you framing your career as a subset of your work, or are your work as like a subset of your career? Like, are you like are, is your current job like the thing that guides you, or is it like something else that guides you, and then like your current job is part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the way I think about it is jobs. Jobs are the things that you do at that moment. The problem is organizations can shift in a way that then keeps you, like, gets you isolated, right? So point being, if you're in a job, the difference between a job and career for me is job is the thing that I'm in now 
that could take me so far away that I have no, like I'm out on an island somewhere and no one, no one's going to want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> I guess that's my fear, right? Um, like no one, um, you're doing a thing that's like so specific or whatnot. And, you know, there's like the, the COBOL programmer, or there's, a, there's a bunch of different variations on this, right? Like essentially islands that form that jettison out people to a really crazy distance. And that's cool. I mean, you know, there's, there's actually something awesome in that. The problem is like, can you ever get a job somewhere else? And again, for me, the job part, part of it is money, but it is also like, I know this thing. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, that's sad. Like that's, <laughs> that's not fun. Yeah. So I think what we're talking, what we're touching on is like the idea that a lot of people easily get unpassionate about the industry after some time, even if they're like eat like super, super like great at it. Like they're like super talented. They have all the skills. They, so is, the question is like, do you feel like after a certain point when you know so much, the thrill of knowing more is, is not enticing? Sorry. <laughs> well, so I think I, I think the thing with passion, right, is like I think passion is kind of like a secondary effect to the support systems and like the good interactions that you have, right? And so like if if you if you have the passion, that's cool. But I think sometimes generating passion is like you know um, there's this thing there's like pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Well, that's like like if you think about it for a second, that's actually an impossible. Th like you can't do that. That doesn't make any sense. Why, why did anyone say that, right? And so the point, the, the original point, I guess, was like, or I've heard, was that like you're trying to do an impossible task, right? So what are bootstraps? Yeah, shoelaces is what I've always. Shoelaces. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a very interesting pull question. Pull yourself up by your own shoelaces. Right, which is just like you can't do that. That's not a thing that you could do, right? Like, right. I think, I think. Oh boy, a baby an article, with a system of pulleys. <laughs> True. I was reading an article in the Globe today, and it was talking about the tech elite here in Boston, and of course they talk about Neeraj Shaw and uh, Wayfair, and they've talked about the TripAdvisor guy, and they talked about all the major tech. They interviewed them and talked about sort of like, you know, how has COVID really changed you? And, and they all feel like they're kind of in this state of isolation where instead of being going to trade shows and figuring like meeting new people that they don't know, they're spending time with people they do know and they're getting this echo chamber and they're, they're not, it's not, it's not helpful. So like for me, uh, to answer your original question, Ralph, like if, if I burn out, I feel like it's going to be kind of a defect of my own personality the desire to always know uh and some things are gonna be really hard to know and i think to, to richard's point uh you can't know it all on your own and you got to be connected to other people and the isolation i think right now is causing a lot of people to burn out mm. um maybe temporarily like maybe they're not burning out in a blaze of fire and like this is they just need to like get poured into the cold bath and go on vacation for a while and reset but um, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's like, you know, there's, I think the other side to that is you can't know everything, but you can basically spend your entire life, if you if you are motivated by this, essentially like learning more technologies, right? Like you can learn new programming languages, you can learn edge cases, you can read, there's so much documentation out there, right? Like some folks will read 50 books in a year, 
you could probably, you know, exceed that by the number of programming books and like, you know, tech books and all that kind of stuff. But I do think like what, what you're hitting on Connor is interesting. It's like, it's, it's funny that loneliness is kind of like the actual driver. And it's like loneliness in a word. I think it makes us all like, Ooh, you know, we don't, we don't, want to, <laughs> we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to admit it. But I do think that that's like a, it's a pretty significant driver in everything, right? Like we don't want to be alone. Yeah. Um, so I also think about like the, the circumstances that you got into programming with and like how that affects loneliness. For example, like if you're taking a typical route of like, I'm going to college or I'm going to boot camp and, you know, I have to like pass a test or something like I have to pass an exam to get like, you know, accomplish my initial goal, which is like get to the market. That's stressful. And like you associate uh, like, you know, I'm going to learn with like, what's the goal of learning? Whereas for me, I was in a, a rug business, like a family business cleaning rugs. And every time I was like, I was doing a lot of data entry in the business and I hated data entry and I got into programming because I hated data entry more than I hated learning programming. And I quit a few times. Like I was like, this is impossible. I can't learn this. But then I went back to data entry and I came back to doing this stuff. And, and I was learning like in between like answering customer phone calls and people coming to drop off their rugs or me going on the road to pick up rugs and all that kind of stuff, cleaning rugs. And people always be upset at me learning. They're like, what are you doing? Like you have work to do, please do your work. And so for me, learning was like an escape, like, oh, I'm doing something for myself rather than because someone wanted me or like I told people I'm doing this goal. I didn't know I was going to be a programmer. I had no idea. I built this app in the company and my coworkers were like, Raf, why aren't you like working at this tech company making six figures? And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even think about that. That didn't occur to my mind after like seven years I was doing this. It didn't occur to me. So like, I think that I still have this background of like when I'm learning, I feel like it's an escape and I want, like, I don't feel lonely. Also, I have family, like my brother, cousins, they're learning programming. They always ask me questions and they think I'm a genius because I have answers to questions that we all have in the early cycle. And it's exciting. Like I like teaching people and helping people. That's my things. favorite thing. It's, it's about the people, right? It's like, how do you feel when you're around people and interacting with them? And that's, what, that's where I, I, I hope that the job that I'm at provides me with that connection to people because it's like, Oh, here's a here's a bunch of other people trying to do similar stuff that are also forced to work with me. How can we make this like a very pleasant experience versus painful one? And it's all about the people and the emotions and the like. Are we learning? Are we figuring stuff out? Are we having fun? I had a great um, sprint retro yesterday that I love these meetings that just like <clears throat> people start to bow out if they have to do something, but like if a if a if a solid group can stick around. And just like go for an, we went an extra hour and a half over the meeting time, just going in every direction and things get really passionate and, and, and blatant. And there's a bit of venting in there, but we, we, it, you get this like sinking up of the minds. That's so nice. And people get motivated and, you know, we, we talk about like, what, what do we want this job to be? What do we want to be doing around here? Like, what does this mean? Like going back to what you're saying, is this stuff aligned with my career? If not, let's do career stuff too, you know? Like, let's get job done stuff, but let's also do like career stuff. And then let's combine the two. Like eventually those things cross paths if, you, if you're doing both. Yeah. Well, I, so the, the first thing that comes to mind is like the importance of structured, unstructured time. 
so set something on the calendar where there's not like an agenda, right? To to be able to uh, essentially like go wild, right? So like if it's like, what are we actually accomplishing? We don't know what we're accomplishing. We don't know what we need to accomplish, right? If you don't have the space for that type of discussion, it's it's actually it actually works against productivity. A lot of folks don't want to allocate that time because it's like, ah, it's just wishy-washy, you know, coffee chat. And it's like, how many times have like the coffee chat or like the water cool talk or whatever it is, yeah. like been the pinnacle for the thing? No, I mean, there's no way to go it, it takes, I've seen those also go poorly, right? If you don't have a good social group going yes. into that, it, like if the, <laughs> if the mix of people is not right, yeah. you can just get into that room and feel like it's a, a big waste of time and like why do we have this recurring thing that i'm not getting anything out of but That's if true. you have a certain level of maturity and gelling then those can be amazing because every time even if you don't have something something will pop up and you'll just get fired up about it and you have a conversation about it and you'll feel like it was incredibly productive yeah, yeah. Ref, one of the things you were saying earlier it's like you're doing something today or you're essentially like revving up a wheel so that you can do more tomorrow right mm -hmm. i think there's ways it's like what'd you do today i did nothing i'm just going to make up some stuff about how i did some you know and I, i'm preparing for the future right so are you doing current work or are you doing future but there's a real thing to that right like that's essentially what coding is coding is all about like doing work today so that the future tasks takes take less effort right mm -hmm. um that's kind of at the core of it and so there are other things where you can do that same process for yourself, like learning something, right? If it's motivating, if it's something that you actually want to do, like, you know, that's, that's, um, you know, we, we didn't cash the check yet, but I increased the amount of the future check that we're going to get. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're like, okay, current and future, but like, and I think that makes sense, but it somehow misses like something in my head, which is like, initially when I started, I built this like normal, customer facing website for the company family business and i rebuilt the site so many times and i constantly am thinking about like well how can i make it even easier to maintain and i made a lot of mistakes i made, I made things that look good but they're impossible to maintain and things that were easy to maintain but didn't hit the the right like customer facing and like you know solving the problems of like hey what do we do as a business and all those things and then we have a app like an internal app and so like I'm always thinking about like reflecting against what I've done and how the world is shifting and how that affects what I've like, what I can do in the future. So it is future still, but there's still a lot of past happening as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I don't know, I don't know how to capture that in the phrase. Oh, it's like a, what, what you're doing in the future has to have some connection to reality. Otherwise, like, you know, you're out in space, just looking at the stars, which I, there's value in that sometimes too, but. Well, okay. So like another, another thing is like the past grounds me into knowing like what's useful for me. Right. So for example, like the next JS world, like Rex streaming server components, all that stuff. It's great for e-commerce world, like great for the, cust the customer facing website world, but has no bearing for me for like this internal app because we don't care about like LCP, FCP, all those things, like speed index, that doesn't matter. Yep. Like it's, we're using a service worker. It loads instantaneously <laughs> as long as you have previously downloaded stuff. So there's no really point to worry about that stuff. But like, it seems like the world is not talking about like those internal apps. We're always talking about like customer facing apps, like Next.js is like everything. Well, we don't talk about what's stable and works and it's just like the same as it's all, ever been, right? Yeah. We just so keep like, going with those things. 
But then I like, saw a really cool video on Rust where this guy was like, build, you, you use Rust so that you can stop using Rust and go outside and play. Because <laughs> Rust apps, uh, Rust is promised to always be backwards compatible. So as Rust evolves, your apps are still going to work. 20 years ago, or 20 years from now, it's still going to it's it's still going to work. It's still going to be good. And the compiler gives you so much constraint around what you can do that you can be confident that your code is well structured and and works and that and modifiable and you can do all this without having uh, nuances of unit tests and things like that. So if you're if this okay, this is a work thing, fine. Like makes sense. You want to do it, finish it, get out of your head. But yeah. if it's like a like a like a thing that's like in, so important to you, can you really forget about it? Can you really like just finish it? Like, aren't you always going to wonder like, oh, what if I do it this way? What if I do it that way? Like, aren't, like aren't you always worried about like those kinds of things? Like, how like in twenty years from now, your your thing still works, but don't you want to reevaluate how you've done it? Like for me, that's the joy of the industry. Like, well, in that case, I think he'd probably reevaluate the language and the service and the the setup and the database. You know, you could reevaluate the, the technologies. Yeah, but but I think what you're getting at is like this thing of like the anytime you build something, there's a maintenance cost, and you have to think about that as a team and a company too. And there's a and there's a, a shelf life. So mm -hmm. you maintain, you maintain, you maintain, and then you replace or just kill it, and and something else comes along. Yeah, like yeah. for example, you build a normal, let's say you build a normal API, Java or, or, or PHP or whatever, and then you discover Firebase and you're like, oh, actually for my use case, my API was just simply ways to get data to the server to then save, save it in a database. But if I can use Firebase, I can just do that without any backend at all, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh my goodness, like I can just leave half my code base. And that's just th a thrill, like that thrill, like when you learn that stuff and you do that stuff. It's just for me, like that's what keeps me in it. Like that excitement of like, what's going to happen next? What am I going to learn next? So How when, when it easier? So when are you going to get to the point where you're building those technologies? Oh, where, that, where your think... idea is the next Firebase or the 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 uh, what's that one? The RPC, TRPC. Yeah. Well, there's different layers. I mean, I, I think structurally it's the same thing as like I have an application that I haven't built yet that I want to build, right? So for you know what's I think what we consider boring and what we consider like fixed varies person to person. And that's part of what makes these ecosystems like so vibrant, right? So point being, am I the type of person that would want to build that, uh, essentially design that structure in Rust where there, it's always back like that? That doesn't seem fun to me, but I know someone out there like will would love that, like would love that opportunity and see that as a challenge. And I think so much of it for me comes back to like, the, the product mindset in terms of like, what's the, what's the surface area? What's the type of like problems that we want to solve? Who's having those problems? And what are the discussions that like drive that interest, right? So, you know, perhaps similar to you, like for me, programming was, <clears throat> I'm doing this thing. It seems like there's a better way for me to do this thing, right? And so I was the user. I was, it was the same thing. It was like, I'm tired of clicking on this button. I want to do something else. Um, <laughs> And so I would implicitly talk to other people who who wanted to do that too. They're they're also tired of clicking on buttons. Oh, I could help you, right? And like, and 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 in some ways, that's a different set of people than people you know dealing with whatever whatever the rest of people <laughs> deal with. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like this thing of uh, you, um, you 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 
some people are, are super driven by building a product that makes people's lives better. Um, and you can also be driven by looking for ways to innovate and being in a more exploratory nature. And that's where I find most of my learning happens is where I'm like, Hey, new language. I haven't tried this before. Uh, let me futz around with this. And then I, I just discover stuff that it's the thing of like wandering through a city versus planning out your route. If you just start wandering, you're going to run into something. You're like, well, never would have seen this if I hadn't, you know, if I was planning stuff. Well, let me give you an example. So like, it's not just, it's not just like, oh, I'm building a product that solves people's problems or I'm innovating. It could be both, right? It could be like innovating in, yeah. the, in the customer facing <clears throat> state, right? Yep. For example, um, like for this recent project, uh, we had this constraint, this internal app service worker, the constraint where want to make it work offline okay well how do you manage conflicts if people are offline and you have duplicate like rights to the same data also you want to make things performant also you want to care about like how do you reconcile your your data like this is your data your business's data like that's the most important thing how do you make sure it's not corrupt how do you make sure that you can understand what's happening how do you have visibility in your system right so we came up with this idea of using event sourcing in a way that makes sense. Like it just was like super nice, which what happened was we have um, our events stored in Firebase and events could be like either a snapshot with like some JSON pointing to some Google, Google storage file, mm -hmm. or it could be like, oh, I'm taking this customer with this ID and updating this like name from this to that, right? And so now use IndexedDB and you have versions you correspond to versions with the events. If a client loads a page, you say, oh, I'm on this event. What's what's the latest event? Is that the latest event? No. Run those events, update the latest in IndexedDB storage, right? And that like solved the problem of like, okay, now it's performant. You don't have to download all the data each time. You just download the, the new events. It's offline. Like you don't care about um, con conflicts, like, um, like uh, what's it called? When people write to the same data because you don't lose any state you don't lose any data like if people overwrite the name you have the history of the data so if any like there's no worry anymore you can easily audit it it's event sourced right so for me it was like yeah it's not a new it's not a new idea like this is not like but like for for the client using IndexedDB this way i haven't seen anyone talk about this yeah i was gonna say like 99.99 percent of quote-unquote innovation that we do is just combining things in ways that haven't been combined yeah, yeah. before we're not we're not like on the bleeding edge of mathematics or physics, like actually innovating in the in the realm of the real world. We're just like combining combining things. I think that's, that's really cool, though. I think math and physics still have that same structure. I think it's I think it's generally about like combining weird things. You know, I think that is a lot of most of it. Yeah, but on the like, yeah, the the like true like novel uh, stuff is in the realm of like discovering the Higgs boson, you know, like, yeah, but I think that comes matter? from the same process is what I'm saying. I, I, I don't, I don't think that those are that different. Like, I think mm. at the end of the day, it is about the brain firing off new connections. And sometimes it's about recombining. Most of the time it's about recombining what's yeah. there in slightly different ways. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, this looks like my cat, my cat meows, does this thing meow? I don't know, whatever, you know, like some, some, some weird stuff. And I think that's, yeah, true for anything. Even if even if you're not like inventing at all, even if you're just like, for example, like, oh, I want to build a, 
like I want to make this site, this front end site, like like uh, like be editable, like have a CMS basically, have people like have an admin page, and then you learn like Contentful, and you learn like ways of making like different layouts supported by Contentful, and like letting the user do that stuff. It's not innovating at all, but learning that stuff will make you think differently, and then you will yeah. apply those learnings in the future as well. So like, even though it's not innovating, it's still like being like kind of i would say up to date like you know you're 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 not like outdated right so like you're you're solving the problems in the way the industry is solving them and you're keeping up with this stuff and you're constantly learning that's like it's not innovation but it still feels different than like um building a product that solves a problem because you can do that in a way that's like completely not challenging yourself at all or you can do it in a way that's yeah. like, hey, i'm going to learn new things while i do this so then going back to burnout would you say that somebody burnt out is not doing this exploration and recombining because like no yeah to me don't you get like a you get like a a pleasure from that right you get a little dopamine hit from making this creative connection and and exploring or 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 is it the case that you can get burnt out just doing that too and it's just like more about the the overall world of technology that you're just like i can't be in this anymore you know, uh, in my experience, it's been like, if you have, if you're working on a product, right, and you have the space to go for a walk in the, you know, in the woods and think about something freely, like, you know, you're like, hey, I had this problem, I know how to solve it. But is that the way I want to solve it? Like, is there a better way? Right? If you have that kind of space, I think that's definitely like positive and gives you a lot of energy. But if you're in a space of like, hey, I know there's probably a better way, but I don't have time to like research it or like that we mm. have to like execute on this thing. I, I feel like that's where burnout comes. I'm not sure if that's true, <laughs> but for me, it's like, I know I'm upset <laughs> if I don't have the time to go explore ideas. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's all brought on by structural pressure from your company or team or right. situation. Right. So that's where the, yeah, I agree. That's where the bad feelings come from for me too. It's, it's like that these things are out, are very powerful and out of my control and pushing me to do things in a way that I don't want to do them. And but also like, could be on your own. Like, what if you said to somebody, Hey, I, I, uh, I know how to do it, but you don't know how to do it. Or, or you like, something came up where you, where you, and you, now you're like, now, like you don't like you, you made the pressure yourself, not because there's a company ah. because you're afraid of telling people you don't know something. And now you have to go down a path that you did that you didn't really want to do. Right. Well, I think it's what's what's challenging about it, right? Is like there's there could be human things, but it, the same structure could happen for yourself. Point being, like I want to do something, I want to do something better, right? Okay, well, I'm going to put some pressure on myself in order to do that, right? And at some point, the pressure is great. It's like I if I didn't give myself this pressure, if I didn't give myself this like artificial deadline, I just sit around like I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. wouldn't wouldn't be fun. And then there's a point where suddenly it's a, it's a breaking point. I think the, the hardest part is like losing the awareness of it. Cause you're so, you get that tunnel vision and it's just like, that's, that's that thing. I'm just doing that thing. And if I just push hard enough, then it's going to go through. Right. And it's like, so the, the, I guess like burnout as a term, right? Like you need some fire to motivate you. You need something to like, you know, generate whatever but that fire can <laughs> get too hot right and i think it's so just interesting so so then 
is there some kind of a practice that you could do that would more or less inoculate you against burnout so that it never happens sort of like a vaccine that you could do like i am not vaccinated but the thing that i've tried to do is like so i think awareness helps but then also just figured like so my my path through this right has been i really love this i really love this this is awesome i'm very motivated i can feel the fire at the back you know it's this is great this is the thing that i want and then all of a sudden it flips and it's like god damn it i hate everything like i need a nap right and um i just sorry i just put us into an explicit mode again um you can edit that part out gosh darn it if you want to do editing um <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna yeah that that's fine editing yeah <laughs> you see you're not motivated by the thing if you're really motivated by editing that would change it you know so 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 I, is is the thing getting to it and, and so i think for me the challenge was Five minutes ago, I was fine, and now you know I'm having a breakdown, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, I must be crazy. And at that point, that's where like the internal circuits just kind of shut down. It's like I'm crazy. This thing made me crazy. I don't want this thing anymore. Every time I see this thing, I'm just going to shut down, right? Mm-hmm. I think because burnout really is about shutting down. Like you see something, and it's just like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> right and so like how do i how do i retrain so and sometimes what's what's challenging about it right is sometimes that's actually a thing you don't ever want to do again like you probably shouldn't keep touching the hot stove it's not gonna it's not a mental thing like you just like shouldn't touch that stove right like you can't train your brain around that but then if you're like i have to do this because i have a family and i need to get a good review and i work at this job and they're paying me you know like a lot of, of of then you're in a really bad spot, right? Where you have to touch the stove. Well, but that's, you know, Dan, that makes me think of that YouTube video that you shared about the brain cycles, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the, like he was, he was describing essentially the, the psychotic mode is going too broad, right? Like essentially the brain signals are firing too much so that's that's that side then there's a balance on the in the middle where it's just like brain functioning but then there's the other side which is that you, the the rumination phase right and the rumination phase is more you know like on the depression and, and whatnot right yeah so point being if it's the i have a job i think the problem is it's fixed into well you need like it's it's that fixed cycle that's really challenging in there yeah, the and only think, way the only way to to stay miserable is to repeat the thing in your own mind over and over and over and over and over. And that's what ruminating is. Yeah. is. You're like stuck in this small cycle, and you're not exploring and going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. You're just stuck in one thing. And, and so, like, I think it's it's a natural human thing, and I think for us to say, "Oh, we're just going to be better. We're not going to do that," is like that's dumb. Like that's not true. Well, so yeah, the Buddhist would disagree with you. Okay. Right. And say that the uh, misery is a relative thing, right? Because you could be the richest person in the world. You could be absolutely miserable. You could be the poorest person in the world. You could be, you know, and and so um, if you can practice, this is what the Buddhist or maybe Stoic would say, if you can practice putting things in a more objective perspective, and Raf, I think this is what you were saying with like, go back to data entry, see how that feels. 
<laughs> then you get a, rel- a relative, you're like, oh shit, okay, actually programming is not that bad. And I'm happy to be, <laughs> you know, and not to like put yourself through misery, but like, uh, it, it, it's somewhat relative. And if you can, um, Buddhists talk all about attachment and the attachment to the dukkha, which is the things that are unpleasant and bring us misery. And so if you can detach yourself um, or detach the concept of self and, you know, you, you are just right. uh, a, an experience and how you're perceiving your own reflection is itself a thought that is relative, right? So like getting all the way down into the meta of um, we're just, you know, conscious beings of experience that is just happening in life. If you can, if you can reflect on that frequent enough via daily mindfulness practice or something then the, then the then the theory is you can very easily break out of these rumination cycles because you see them popping up and you'll you'll sort of take very quickly a higher perspective you watch it you see that it's just another thought along with the other thoughts and you can just let it go you know it's it's crazy to me that i, I didn't understand that decoupled microservices actually has an origin in buddhism but i guess that's what that is <laughs> Yes. No, I mean, I think it's, I think that's right. I mean, I, th- I think the, the it's understanding that the decoupling is really challenging, I think is the key to what you're saying there, right? I agree. Yes, the decoupling is definitely challenging. And also, because that, you know, I think Dan is always about the and also's. Um, <clears throat> you're not actually separate from whatever you're decoupling from. Um, so actually you are part of a bigger system that is actually really hard to understand Um, that's actually something super interesting about decoupling whoa man if we're going to talk about parallels between decoupling and buddhism here (laughs) that's the interesting thing about a decoupled system is that uh wow okay i didn't even put this together but so if each service is like you as a human right uh you think that you live in your own thing separate from the greater purpose but the greater purpose is uh, i don't know you're you're the you're the basket service and you gotta talk the credit cards and like if you don't talk the credit cards then ultimately uh you know people aren't checking out and you know so it's like <clears throat> you you have this idea that you you are separate from the other things uh and that ends up with teams holy moly teams operating as if they are separate and can make their their own assumptions about Common how they should law. work and change and if they don't doesn't work it just doesn't work um i think so interesting parallel there but i think the 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 thing that's a little dangerous if you think of yourself as separate or detached really what you're what you're separating your attachment from is not reality or, or or the the bigger system but rather your interpretation of it right like Say, for example, that conflict happens where in the microservices, it's really painful. The grit in the gears is is that, you know, freaking Omega Star won't understand ISO timestamps. Uh, sorry, I think I just made this yeah, explicit. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's a painful thing. But instead of sort of thinking of yourself as separate from that team it's like well why don't they accept that 
timestamp. Like, what about how they're building their application is different from how they're, we're building ours, and maybe we should actually, maybe we should be more flexible, or we should build in a common pattern. Um, but well, I think I think to, to what you're saying, Conrad, like there's 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 some things where you can go, you can decouple to the degree that you're speaking in such a different language that it's not actually that useful anymore. And so like, that's kind of the extreme, extreme decoupling mm-hmm. is like, you know, I have a billion microservices and I don't know how any of them fit together and whatever, right? But, um, so I think that with, there, there's always some kind of balance there, right? But if, if the idea, so I, I think the intent really behind decoupling was that like, people should be able to work more independently on something if they can, right? Mm-hmm. And if they, if they can is always, the challenging weird caveat because to your point there's there's coupling from all sorts of sizes right business inherent business coupling is a real thing actually needing so like back to the other example actually needing money to buy food well i think the challenge is i can only get money from my current job right Mm -hmm. And I'm stuck in my job. My boss hates me, or whatever. <laughs> Insert crazy scenario. And and so the rumination cycle, which is very easy and, and natural, and actually like in some ways healthy, is that like I don't need to rethink everything all the time. I have my job. My job's paying me. But the there are alternatives, right? Find another job, right? And to me, that's that's the thing with career and job. If I feel like I'm in a job where I have no alternative my career has been impacted by that. My well, career I, I, is essentially the ability to... I hear some it. extremes in there, which yeah. are like, and perhaps this is the attachment that Dan's describing, which is like, I have no alternative. That's a very definitive statement. Um, yeah. There, there are many alternatives, right? Like you could right. uh, scale back your lifestyle such that you are living the minimal lifestyle required to, to be healthy. Uh, and and here and thriving and maybe that means that you could try a new career in I don't know uh, say you were a cook, you know a cooker whatever whatever you could try something new or different you could go back to that data entry job and just so, you know go to Inatech yeah just to really hammer the core of the philosophy there's a line in a and there, there's this book series called The Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson, which I, I got bored of after the fourth book. And it's really long and difficult to get through. And it feels like there's like two pages in the like 5,000 pages of each book that are really, really good. There's this one uh, thought experiment and conversation that happens in there where um, someone says, if somebody say there's a conscious being whose complete existence is the absolute worst misery that you could possibly imagine right think of like this this consciousness is just like tortured in in hell for all eternity can that can that being know what beauty is and the the question was well the response uh uh, to to question this was does that being experience any fluctuations like does is there any change and the answer is yeah like once in a while it's uh, there's less pain and then there's like more pain. Well, then the response is, well, during those times of less pain, that is their experience of beauty because, you know, it's, and and this is just really hits the relativity on the head, right? If you're, 
in one of these situations that you feel like is hell, the 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 Buddhists or the, this mindset is saying you're not paying attention because uh, because there are all kinds of fluctuations happening inside of that, and you can go, you know, I, I, we could think of all kinds of different scenarios, but like just the ability to go for a walk can be extremely pleasurable if you're really paying attention to what's going on. Um, I don't know how to tie this back to microservices, but. Well, we were talking about burnout. I think microservices is just one of the ways in which we all, it's the grit and the gears, right? I, uh, it's actually funny. I was just, just thinking, thinking about that and just, it is possible. Burnout could be you're working too much time, right? But it could be, I think what we're getting at here is it's like, it's not that you're working 70 or 80 hours a week. It's that you're working, say you're working 40 hours a week, but everything you do is painful and awful. Mm. (laughs) That seems to be the source of burnout. What you're describing, Dan, is are there ways to not take the the grit personally? Like grit happens? Well, so here's the core of what what I'm trying to get at here. A lot of life... One of the one of the core things I believe in is luck. A l- most of what I experience in my life is happened to be where I was born and who I was born to and how much money they had and whatever, right? Like it's stuff. So what I'm trying to get at is, do we think that there is a possible way for a practice like mindfulness or something like this to properly inoculate you against burnout or drastically reduce the odds of it? Or is burnout one of those things that is going to happen, whether or not I'm prepared or like it or, you know, is it is it just one of these luck things that's like, man, for some reason, the neurons firing in my brain are are putting me down this hole and it sucks. And and yeah. So I have a story that relates to everything you were saying, which is um, have two jobs. (laughs) two jobs you're gonna get burned out eventually for me it was like a year and then you quit one of them and then all of a sudden you're not burned out so you have like breakers like it's a breaker right it's all relative because then if you're working another job how can you be burned out when you just like quit half of your work you know what i mean it's all of a sudden way easier yeah that's a good point it's like an escape hatch right I mean, I, I think like the the other way that you could think of it, so like having tiny bur- burnouts, if we define, so we're uh, after your point, one job, universe is that one job, right? And so in some ways that creates a ruminative cycle in, in the sense that like that one job is my world and if that one job goes away, the world ends, right? But having an alternative, then like, whatever like i you know i think there's so many different ways to slice it i think that's just defines us as humans right but i i I like the framing of what you had dan i i think my my reaction to burnout is have have the tiny burnouts learn from them right and i think some of that is in some ways implicitly creating that structure that you're talking about raf like where it's like i have this one tiny burnout because I've created something else where that can happen and it's okay. <laughs> and like the entire universe is not going to crash down. And I think with, with those 
tiny cycles um i i then have something that i can like replay in my head and i think I, that's where i learn so much from right so that that's the thing that keeps me engaged not all the time but sometimes i'll i'll ask one question to you all i know that burnout is painful but can burnout be a good thing Is pain a bad thing? Ask the Sackler family. They'll tell you, yes, they want to remove it entirely from American culture. <laughs> that reminds me of the concept of the one of the greatest super superpowers humans can have is boredom. Because if you're bored, that means your internal, you know, everything that humans are doing is seeking comfort, right? Or... Uh, there's a saying that said there's it's two things it's either seeking comfort or something else i forget what the other one is but like yeah so that that feeling of immense discomfort is uh highly motivating so in that way yeah i think it can be a good thing yeah that's tough i mean our brains are designed to like look at signals and react to signals right and so i think the thing is like I, i'm gonna go back to the hot stove again like is it actually a hot stove or is there this like space where if I think really hard or I do something in a creative way, then that hot stove isn't actually going to burn me. And that's crazy. But how do we know that that's crazy? Right? Like how do we know what's crazy and what's not crazy? Yeah. I think that's the thing that is. It's Especially just in this relative that. world, right? Exactly. Right. Oh, it's sure. too hot. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too cold. Like yeah. at what point can you just be okay with how things are? Well, and I think <clears throat> I think burnout is not productive when it destroys someone. Like it destroys who they like they cannot recover from it. They like you know, they've I've seen people who burn out where they uh they leave their field and they don't even like they can't even make it in the sort of menial job that would otherwise sustain them. And so they like fall into, you know, a really dark place. Um, so how does this happen? Like, this is what, we're, this is how the conversation started. Like, you know, we all know people like this. So like how, like, you know, people who are super, super skilled, deeply knowledgeable in this area, like super experienced, have a high seniority level, and they still have this experience of like burning out to the point they never want to come back. So how does this happen? I think so much of it comes down to the, like the, 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 the social environment too. And what that, so like, just to call it out, like trauma is a real thing and people can cause trauma, right? Like people can do things that traumatize other people. Um, I think it's easy to say, like, I think one of the challenges there is maybe that person's right. And the person who never wants to come back had a really traumatic experience. They shouldn't like ever trust that person again or whatnot. Like the challenge is, you know, most things with the brain is when we use those shortcuts in different in the wrong ways, right? So the point is, I'm I'm attributing the wrong root cause. Well, I had a traumatic manager, right, who who caused harm to me, and that person was in tech, and so all tech is like what's was it that individual 
Was it the behavior that that individual was a part of? Maybe it wasn't just that manager. Maybe there's like 50 managers that all like agree, right? (laughs) To treat this individual really poorly. Like that can happen too. So, you know, I think it's, when we're talking about burnout, I think it's easy to just, it's easy to blame the victim um, and to not understand what, like what and why and what alternatives are out there. And I think they're going to like that person who's been through that trauma. Um, this is like a little bit outside of my experience. And I but like, but I think like there, there's ways to help them, but it uses a different tool set. It's not just, Oh, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, check out this recruiter. Uh, they're they're going to get something. It's going to be good this time. It's like, why? Like that's, that might not be true. Yeah, I feel like this is both outside of all of our experience and outside of our wheelhouse. And we're probably not going to have anything super insightful to say about why. It but I think it like, touches it stuff be... that we care about, right? I, and I think that's yeah. that's unfortunate, right? Like we know people who have been through this yeah. that don't have an answer. This, right? this, is, this is why I'm more concerned about like, is there something I could be doing today that would help uh, lower the chances that that could happen to me? I love I I love this idea, Roth, of having multiple careers because I, I I just was listening to this thing um, where there's uh, this again a thing on on meditation. One of Joseph Goldstein's lectures, and he's like, "This is not a hobby. <laughs> this is a this is like if you want to work on yourself and go through this like Buddhist path, this is this is something that's intense every day, and you have to take it really seriously." And I love this idea of being like, "All right." Instead of saying I have one career and I have four hobbies, why not say I have, you know, just mental framing as I have four jobs. One of them's a parent, one of them's a husband, one of them's a, a painter, and one of them's a, a, a coder, right? Some, or whatever it is. And just really take everything seriously and use that time in a, in a very uh, meaningful way instead of, oh, it's just my hobby. I'm just like doing a thing. I'll say this, I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like at some point I decided that being a programmer was my calling. Like that's what I was like meant to do. Right. Like I, I knew that this was for me. Like I matched it. I like it. I enjoyed it. The whole thing like works. Of course, like the industry is very lucrative, challenging. So maybe people get into it and they realize it's not their calling. So I, I can understand, like, if someone wants to be something else, an artist, musician, a writer, a teacher, whatever, like there's a million things, right? Not everyone is going to feel like this is what they want to suffer for because <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with suffering as, like in this, in this area, because this is where I want to go. But if, if, if it's not where you want to go, then I think that there's no amount of like tricks. Yeah. Help. You know, Raf. So, what what you're talking about sounds to me, some ways, like the definition of engagement. And so, like, uh, engagement has some kind of somewhat formal definition. But really, if you're engaged, then like you're going to do a lot more than anyone's going to ask you for, right? So, uh, please, can I have five? He's like, I'll give you thirty, right? Like that's kind of engagement. And it's like <clears throat> the the trick or the heuristic was like some or I, I think the number was somewhere like below 30 percent 
is the number of people in any industry that are actually engaged, right? <laughs> it's like, oh God, that's so that's terrible. What's happening? And I've the, heard the it thing that's happening, that right? Yeah. And so the 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 response to that is, well, I I need to eat some food, otherwise I'm gonna die. Like I need I need something. So like people do things, to, <laughs> you know, kind of on that angle too. And you know, I think the um. Yeah, it's it's challenging. It's it, there's so many things that can keep people engaged. There's so many things that can knock them out of that. And um, you know, I think it, it always is going to require some kind of support systems in order to keep people people in there, right? Well, it takes it takes payoff. It takes like getting the reward at some point. And right. I think the dif- the difference um, between just something that's like easier mundane is that you get like quick wins quick payoffs right you're like hitting instagram or whatever you're hitting those really quick easy dopamine hits but you're not really getting a a good payoff from that that what what really makes it a a valuable meaningful career is when you can start lengthening the effort time um or lengthening the time between doing the work and getting the reward and understanding that um, the more work that I put into this, uh, yes, it will, yes, it will be delayed, but eventually I'll get a better payoff, a bigger payoff where I, I'm more satisfied, more, um, uh, leverage kind of, yeah, no, not just satisfied, but fulfilled, right. It's not a, it's not a snack. It's not an ice cream. It's a, okay, I'm gonna, you know, when you're hungry, you could just go eat chocolate. Um, that's, that's easy and nice and you'll get like a quick win. Or you could be very disciplined and, you know, be whatever, whole foods only, whatever you want to do. Um, and over time, see health, you know, heart benefit, whatever it is. And yep. I think that's, it's the same in your career if you, but, but here's, the, here's the part where I think people can get burnt out is if you're putting in all this effort and you're actually not seeing those payoffs, right? You're, you're in a, in a terrible legacy system and you're being paid to like maintain it. And, and then, and then, and then it's never turning into anything valuable or meaningful. And you just feel uh, a deteriorating, you know, mode. I think that could be a, a yeah. pretty, pretty rough place to be. That's actually why I left my last job. One of the reasons, because like we were building, it was a marketing agency. We were building these websites, turning them out to charge a lot of money for them. And I was like, you know what? The way we're building it, I had a an idea that would be able to take like these like Photoshop layers and like export the the site more or less done in the way I want uh, at least a lot of the work done or a sketch or whatever. And the director was like, "Well, you know, if we find a way to like automate this, then how can we how can we justify charging like for the number of weeks that we charge at this rate?" It's like we don't have to tell anybody that like we that we found the way to do it, but the fact that they didn't want to even like try to innovate in this way was for me like why why we then like like what's like all of a sudden lost the joy was lost there yeah and mm-hmm. that's 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 real value that you've created right and so like i can see where he's coming from in the sense that it seems sneaky but you know that's i don't know that's capitalism right that's kind of how that works <laughs> like that's that's kind of the nature like the nature of anything right like why would you do a thing well you do a thing because you, you know the the benefits that you received are greater than the costs that you put into it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the founding motivation for innovation, right? And so if you don't want to like buy into that, I don't know. It's, that's yeah, that's tough. But man, that Roth, the 
ability that the the awareness that you had to recognize that and leave that job yeah. that is huge right i think that's most people are going through life with the lights off that the first step is to turn the lights on and see right. do a quick evaluation of like what's going on is this good is this bad and then the 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 next step which is maybe more difficult but maybe easier once you're there is like oh i see something really bad let me just change it i think that i i feel like yeah i feel like in a lot of places in my life this is kind of where i'm at where like the lights are on but i'm not doing anything <laughs> oh i mean you know i, I think if if you're not it, it makes me think of what you're talking about with boredom as, as a tool right and i do think that that is like i don't know like it's it's fun like it can be fun to do those things but that same thing can be a burden too right like and, and it's just like which one do you want and it can change it can change depending yeah. on the day and yeah. that doesn't make you a crazy person it makes you a human right yeah yeah and the, and, and the real trick there is like being okay with the world as it is and trying to change it because because yeah. you know you can make it better and and being also okay with that and you were saying earlier, Richard, about the uh, five-minute switch of like mm-hmm. everything's fine. Yeah, I yeah. definitely experienced this many, many times. Oh yeah, yeah. We just don't want to say it. We don't want to. We don't want to talk about that because it makes us look like a crazy person, right? Because it makes <laughs> impulsive. The the real impulsive part is really when you're using that in the context of other people, and like you might be going crazy internally, but this one you got to walk like a duck a little bit. You got to like hold hold your you know keep the crazy behind the face <laughs> right yeah i mean you're minute. you're you're governed by being a part of a society you have right. to act as such all right i feel like we uh we it's figured all this all out so that's done check don't have to ever mention any of these topics again good nailed it all right i'll see you guys yeah